0: What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend of debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me today, uh, known in my entire life, coming your way first, friend of mine, senior pastor Mark Carey. Hi, Caleb. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Good. Good, yeah. good to see you. Thank you for being here. She's back with me in the host spotlight, Miss Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you?
1: I'm very well. Thank good. you.
0: Able to drive out of the boonies? Yeah, this we morning.
1: got dug, dug out yesterday, and uh, Simeon. He thankfully we have a snow blower. We have Simeon's a really a long driveway, and oh yes, and Simeon's a new driver. He yeah. has mm. his learners, so he's been driving me everywhere. So I have a chauffeur now.
0: What better way to practice than seven inches of snow and then an inch of ice? Yes. (laughs) Mark, were you guys able to get out okay, your neighborhood, all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had uh, got some sweet
2: neighbors, and uh, Mm. so he came over. I'd got my walkway and then went back in to complain and yeah yeah half, <laughs> half hour later the neighbor came over with a snowblower and it was nice chewing everything up yeah. all that ice that was crazy it, yeah you yeah. really couldn't scoop it oh mm-hmm. it was
0: it was brutal yeah 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 that was the first time my my puppy has experienced it and he walked out and couldn't even break the ice with his weight he was freaking out was so funny just slipping around <laughs> right like an ice skating um, rink yeah so yeah yeah hannah's uh, been enjoying the school days off and yeah, good stuff. So, we're supposed to get more Wednesday night into Thursday, by the way. Oh. So, That's prepare, what I heard. prepare accordingly. That's what
1: I heard. And very cold temperatures. Tis the
0: season, Northern Virginia. Nobody knows what's going to happen, especially the weathermen. That's what I like to say. But, <laughs> guys, let's jump into a Sunday in Review. Alicia, I'll come your way first. Talking about war in the wilderness. Pastor Mark was in Luke 4.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, we're talking about the temptation of Jesus this week. And um, I think that verse 1 is significant. Uh, in Luke four one, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So he, Jesus, we we skipped a week. Well, we flip flopped a week last mm-hmm. week because you were out. Um, but coming from this, Jesus has just been baptized, and here now the Holy Spirit is leading him into the desert uh, t- for this time of temptation, um, and. Satan's plan, in your words, Pastor Mark, was to derail uh, Hmm. Jesus's plan of redemption. And um, it's interesting to think that, like, if, you know, Satan's scheming, and that if Jesus could just give up now, and before his ministry even starts, if he could just give up and not suffer, Hmm. then there would really be no need for him to have to go to the cross. And it worked for Adam and Eve. He tempted Adam and Eve. He uh, Obviously, evil was at work, and uh, the Israelites, in their lack of trust of God and in their disobedience, and so, you know, it would make sense for Satan to try to give it one more try with the Son of God to try to derail mm-hmm. this redemptive plan of salvation. Um, but praise God, Jesus is victorious, and um,
0: And there's a biblical basis for that and a a biblical basis for talking about spiritual warfare, because that's something I'm noticing is talked about more and more ever since the pandemic, ever since this, that, and the other. Spiritual warfare is so real, and and a lack of understanding of that can be where defeat comes, I think, a lot of times. And so Mm -hmm. to to talk about it from the pulpit is one thing, but to be reminded there are biblical examples Mm -hmm. where we don't have to just... Look at our own life and, and and see this ethereal you know mystery of a god, but say let's just see what it was like for 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 Jesus God manifested to tackle some of this stuff and and what what you you mentioned the weapons of the foe and and, and jesus' strategy for success in your outline and that is not left up to mystery we're not left up with guesswork on what must it be like to respond to this spiritual warfare which I thought was hmm. was cool that paul says in ephesians
2: uh, you know imitate me as i imitate christ Mm -hmm. we're to be imitators of of christ well how Mm -hmm. what what do we imitate well here's a great example Mm -hmm. of uh of a war in the wilderness and we're all in a wilderness and we're all in that war
1: and being aware of the unseen realm and we, we can see the physical aspects of our life but to be aware of that there is a very real Cosmic battle going on, mm-hmm. the, the spiritual realm of uh, Satan is after our hearts mm-hmm. and he wants to distract us as much as he can from the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, yeah. there's this expression read the room. You ought, you ought to just read the room and know whether or not, oh, I, I shouldn't have spoken out about that or shouldn't have raised my voice at this, that, and the other. But especially working in youth ministry, I feel like reading the room spiritually isn't is often a first line of defense, and we can so easily get entangled in these things and realize, man, if we were to gauge this interaction, this environment, this this whatever it might be, peer pressure situation based on biblical terms or what the spiritual ramifications are, it really does renew your mind yeah. and really does rewire the way you, huh. And, and then when you get to other stuff like James and the tongue and all these different stuff, all these actions and behaviors, it's based on, and understanding, which I think is cool.
2: There was an author 20 30 years ago, and it just escapes my He wrote the books, um, like This Present Darkness mm. and d- Does That Ring a Bell? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's terrible. I got you. <laughs> What's it called? Present One, This Present Darkness okay. is one of them. Keep going. Um, another one he wrote, I think, called The Prophet. But anyway, he, um, in his Frank Peretti, Frank, oh, Frank Peretti, Freddy. yeah, all uh, Frank, yeah. yeah, and um. He <clears throat> raised that in in those books, in those books that he wrote, so compellingly of of mm. the warfare and the reality of that. Uh, they were on um, on uh, uh, a book on tape, mm-hmm. and I remember mm-hmm. one time when we were on vacation and our kids were little, we <laughs> we played those things, and, and you could see mm. our, our boys in the back seat with their eyes <laughs> this big, uh, you know, because it just brought the reality mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it, it, it is real, and we shouldn't take it for granted. And we need to be go every day with our eyes wide open mm-hmm. that we are in a warfare. And mm-hmm. there are these three um, pathways that Satan will always use to into mm-hmm. the citadel of a man's life, of a mm-hmm. person's heart. And it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. And um, he wasn't very successful. He wasn't mm-hmm. successful at all when mm-hmm. it came to Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. The, this um, this passage of scripture and just talking about Satan's schemes and it made me think about um, in Matthew when Jesus addresses Peter and um, when he's foretelling his death and his resurrection. Uh, This is Matthew 16, starting in 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that made me think about how focused Jesus was on the main thing, Mm -hmm. and he wasn't going to let um, anything distract him from the purpose that the Father had called him to, which was the ransom for many, and the fact that Jesus came, and he came to, one, identify with us, Mm. and uh, he came to defeat sin and death and the devil, and to give us the gift of salvation, and he did that through suffering, he did that through sacrifice, and he did that ultimately by laying down his life, and so here, here we see this struggle in the wilderness of, of Jesus fleshing this out, and, hmm. um, and just like he in this passage here, he comes straight at it, get behind me Satan, the same thing, he's very purposed of, he's, he's to do the Father's will. In this temptation time in the wilderness.
2: Yeah. Um, The the example that he sets, um, and you you brought this up in a question earlier, Alicia, but the example he sets, some people would say, well, was it a real example? I mean, could he succumb to that temptation? Mm. Um, Could he have sinned? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he... so it's a nice story, uh, but we wouldn't expect anything less than Jesus to of Jesus than to to be victorious. Um, and it raises a whole topic. Uh, it's called the impeccability mm-hmm. of of Christ. Uh, could could Jesus have sinned? Now we all know that Jesus was sinless. Second mm-hmm. um, um, Corinthians five says, "He who knew no sin." Became sin for us. He he knew no sin. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the holy Son of God. There was no wickedness. Peter talks about that. There was no sin found within him. Um, uh, he he lived a sinless life, which and everybody agrees with that. The question is, but could he have sinned? Mm-hmm. Could he have fallen in um, his
1: humanity? In
2: his humanity, mm-hmm. and um, it's. Theologians have talked about that for centuries, and... And,
0: um, and they will, still.
2: And they still will. I I believe that, no, I think the evidence in the Scripture is, no, Jesus mm-hmm. could not have sinned.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's called the impeccability of Christ.
1: His divinity and His humanity are not... Uh, they're not in conflict. They're not bifurcated,
2: and they're mm-hmm. not in conflict. It's a unified... Mm-hmm. You take Jesus in the totality. mm mm-hmm. um, and I think there are some reasons in the Scripture that are given, like the virgin birth. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now you say, why? How, how would the vir- why does that matter? I don't know for sure, but um, is it possible that that sin nature is actually passed on through the the father, through through the man, mm-hmm. through the male? Mm-hmm. Uh, now the Holy Spirit came, overshadowed Mary, mm-hmm. but. That virgin birth assured that that sin nature of the Adamic nature was not going to be passed on. And the Catholics, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. solve it by saying that Mary was sinless.
1: Mm, oh, right. yeah. But then
2: what about Mary's mother? Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it, yeah. anyway, right, right, that, right, yeah. that's how they, they solve it. But mm-hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, I think yeah.
0: that question that came into us was it, was it possible for Jesus to sin in his humanity? Answer being no. There's also an understanding of of we associate huma- humanity with sin nature because of the fall, mm. but humans were around before the fall. And so this idea of associating Jesus coming to the earth as a man must mean, oh, well, he must have been in sin. No, we are all in sin, but that's mm. not because of the way God originally designed humanity. It's the way a, a fall happened.
1: And, and maybe sometimes confusing our humanity with just our fleshly experience with Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. being weak, being tired. Mm. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. Jesus experienced those things. He had a Mm -hmm. physical body like we did. But um, sin is an issue of the heart and Mm -hmm. there's a desire to want to rebel against God with a with a sinful heart and that didn't exist in jesus because he's there there's he's still a part of the trinity Mm -hmm. he is the person of the son and but he's one with the father and one with the holy spirit
2: so because of his human nature his humanity he was temptable as they would say right Mm -hmm. but he was impeccable he he would Mm -hmm. not have sinned Mm -hmm. but he but the temptations were very
0: real Mm -hmm. which is encouraging because we uh, I have had people come to me and talk about the temptation being their downfall. I keep being tempted. Okay, mm-hmm. so was so was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Our, our response to temptation is 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 a teaching point, point. Uh, and, and so right Hebrews because he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. So so God came across this stuff, and what's cool about that is our sin is not a barrier. For, for what Christ did for us, it, it, our sin makes us compatible because of what Jesus did on the cross. He, he paid for that sin. And so even for a believer to slip into this this lie of, you know, maybe I'm still in my sin, you get down to that identity issue. But realize that's what Jesus came for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are wrestling with what Jesus came for. And there there's the penalty and then the power and presence of sin and all that stuff that's being dealt with. but. That's so.
1: You mentioned the Hebrews passage, and I want to read it because it's so powerful. Hebrews 4, starting in 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable Mm -hmm. to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted, as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yeah.
0: It's a compatible God. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, In in that same book, Hebrews, a few chapters later in chapter 7, the writer um, (laughs) builds on that and um, it says in verse 25, therefore he is able also to save forever, save to the uttermost Mm -hmm. those who draw near. Why? Because verse 26 says, for it was fitting for us to have such a high priest. And then he gives these descriptors, holy, innocent undefiled, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those other high priests, Mm -hmm. to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. So again, I I think it gets to the very core of his identity, Mm
1: -hmm. the
2: divinity and his humanity, the perfection and the impeccability of Christ. Mm -hmm. It was never an issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I think Luke, it's interesting, Luke, as he writes this, um under divine inspiration, uh, puts a little um attention. Uh in the previous chapter, in chapter three, I, I had mentioned in my sermon, I believe that in the Matthew account, the very last verse of Matthew three is thou art my beloved son. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And then Satan picks up on that if you are the son. Luke um uh puts it buffers those two stories mm-hmm. with the genealogy mm-hmm. of Jesus. Right. And he goes, you know, son, and he works backwards all the way to the very... So the last verse in yeah. chapter 3 is, he was a son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam. Adam. Mm-hmm. The son of God. So this is... Luke is theologically saying, that here's the second Adam now. The right. son of man. Because the Matthew
1: account <laughs> stops at Abraham and goes backwards, Right.
2: Right so luke is trying to make this connection with adam right that puts us right into this conflict of mm-hmm. the satanic and that comparison
1: mm-hmm. between
2: the first adam and the second mm-hmm. adam um jesus was not like the first adam and the how first adam on. was peckable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he could have sinned right he was capable of sinning, and he did mm-hmm. right the second adam Is is incapable of it, Mm -hmm. and there was this uh, that that's played out now. Whether Satan fully understood that or not, you know, I talked with somebody after one of the services um, about these things, and it's interesting how Satan is the great deceiver. Is it possible that he is the most deceived? Did he Mm -hmm. really think he could Mm -hmm. change the outcome here? He was greatly deceived, but that would be. Par for and the course. I love
1: what you said in your sermon when you were talking about um, how uh, Satan—he's been given given the wilderness. Like he's mm-hmm. he's ruling the, the the wilderness right now, um, but the the giver is is the ultimate one, and he's always and, greater than the ex- receiver. Yes, yes, exactly. And we worship the giver, and so how foolish it is for Satan to think that. Um, He really has all sovereignty over the the situation because he doesn't.
2: Yeah, and that's why it's so important for us to make sure that we are tapping into the rich resources Mm -hmm. of our Savior Mm -hmm. and not going off on our own and Mm -hmm. trying to solve these wilderness issues that we face every day. Uh, in and of our own strength, and and,
1: and I love how so when <laughs> Jesus, um, you know, Jesus uses the word of God to uh, mm-hmm. co- uh, combat Satan, but Satan he uses Scripture in his <laughs> twisted yeah. way and mm-hmm. um, to try to use that for his own advantage. And he references Psalm ninety one, which you brought this out. Um, he being. <clears throat> Satan, Satan. Mm -hmm. when Satan is tempting Jesus, and he Mm -hmm. says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But Satan did not go on to read verse 13, which says, You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. So Satan knows the scriptures. He... This right here is clearly saying he's defeated yeah. and um, but he's he's a fighter and he's gonna fight um, with what he's got you take the text with. out
0: of context you get a con folks no other way yeah. about it <laughs> that's right yeah.
2: yeah so again the the war is real and if we think for one moment that we're exempt from that mm. uh, and that's part of Satan's tactics, is to lure, uh, he, mm-hmm. you know, when, when it said in the final that final verse 13 of that passage in Luke 4, he, he left Jesus and waited for another opportune time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's always mm-hmm. the roaring lion seeking mm-hmm. somebody to devour at the opportune time. Right. It, this was an opportune time. I mean, Jesus was 40 days fasting, uh, he was in the wilderness, and um, we too... Can find ourselves in vulnerable positions, mm-hmm. and we have to, um, as Paul said in Second Corinthians, we can't be ignorant mm-hmm. of his schemes. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So through the sermon, I was thinking about the book, uh, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, which mm. I, I brought with me because I want to read a little section out of that. But um, I think for us as Western Americans, um, especially living in the United States, Um, There is this temptation of of comfort that Mm -hmm. I know I struggle Mm -hmm. with all the time. I like to be comfortable. And so what kinds of things are enticing me towards comfort? What kinds of things is, what kind of schemes does Satan use to distract me uh, from the main thing? Um, and mm. sometimes those distractions are very subtle. Sometimes they're loud. Um, what kinds of things? Things are popping up in my life that look, that are coming across as these counterfeit gods. Am I recognizing mm. those as counterfeit gods? Um, but anyway, I love the Screwtape Letters because it's, um, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it because it's it's these, these two demons. We have screw, Uncle Screwtape and then his nephew Wormwood, and, and Screwtape is writing to Wormwood basically on ways to distract people from mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> um, but anyway so when there's one excerpt here from one of the letters and and remember these are devils who are talking so uh, it says my dear Wormwood the real trouble about the set your patient is living in is that it is merely Christian they all have individual interests of course but the bond remains mere Christianity What we want, if men become Christians at all, is to keep them in the state of mind I call Christianity and. You know, Christianity and the crisis, Christianity and the new psychology, Christianity and the new order, Christianity and faith healing, Christianity and cycle research, uh, Christianity and vegetarianism, Christianity and spelling reform if they must be Christians, let them at least be Christians with a difference. Substitute Mm. for the faith itself some fashion with a Christian coloring. Work on their horror of the same old thing. The horror of the same old thing is one of the most valuable passions we have produced in the human heart. An endless source of heresies in religion, folly in counsel, infidelity in marriage, and in Co- inconsistency in friendships. Then he goes on and on and on, but I, I just you can just see Satan's tax t- tactics. Mm-hmm. Of even mm-hmm. taking something good mm-hmm. in in our Christianity and twisting it and perverting it to uh, get us to lose focus on the object of our faith. That's right.
2: That's right. And it's it's it can be very subtle. Sometimes it can be very blatant, mm-hmm. um, uh, but very subtle. And the, the identifying, and you said it a little bit, a few minutes ago, or about, um, I think you used the word, it, or idolatry. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it's idol. Mm-hmm. It, anything that gets our focus and our attention... Counterfeit God. Counterfeit, yeah, yeah. off of Him. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it is an idol. Uh, my oldest son keeps always reminding me to, uh, to ask the Lord, God, what lies am I believing right now? That that is really idolatry mm-hmm. that that is usurping god's role in some form or fashion in, in my life what what am i trusting in or concerned mm-hmm. about or what, what and 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 worry about because all those things now loom larger mm-hmm. than god so satan was trying to get jesus's hunger mm-hmm. to loom larger mm-hmm. his uh, his obscure beginnings mm-hmm. to loom larger than i can take you to the temple mount mm-hmm. and drop you down Uh, so anything that's, Satan will use uh, myriads of ways, but it all comes down to this simple thing, where's my focus Mm -hmm. and who, where's my dependency upon? Mm -hmm. That's, that's the bottom line.
1: So I think that that's another thing is I ask myself, why, like, why did Jesus even, so he, you know, just after this baptism, he goes straight to the wilderness like right after <laughs> and so it's like here we have him being declared son of god with hmm. whom he's well pleased and with the fathers with whom he is well pleased and then he's sending him into combat in the wilderness and and i realize that this is in preparation right before his ministry begins and i'm not a pastor you are a pastor and i and i know that for you you probably need solitude when you're preparing and um or if there's some you know special point of ministry there's a time of solitude and preparation that you need and so the wilderness was that jesus's was that his time of solitude prior to his time before his ministry began
2: well and i think he even uh, when he called the disciples that in matthew or one of those accounts it says um, he went away to the wilderness to pray mm-hmm. just before he called his disciples. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jesus did love his his. Preparation of his heart, of his time with the Father, and uh, and he
0: wasn't after the hype and the results either. There's a common thread of him leaving during the peak of a ministry or peak of an impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Mark chapter four, he's preaching parables to a crowd; they get confused, and then he leaves. Yeah, and yeah. so there's My this. What is come. his directive? What is this? You know, what what matters to him? And it's ultimately going to be fellowship and communion with God or with his disciples. And so it's cool to see and
2: accomplishing the Father's will. I've come mm-hmm. to do Thy will yeah. in the role yeah. it's written of me to do Thy will, O God. Yeah. So that that was. Um, I've, uh, yeah, I've come to. I've come to do the the, the will of Him. Yeah. my, my meat fourth, is to do the will. Of John four.
1: John four thirty four. Jesus said to his disciples, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work." Right. And so there is this expression of dependency, um, holy devotion to His Father's will. Um, that is His sustenance. Yeah.
2: And I, I, I guess that's where is where it gets very. Convicting um, at at some point to realize is is that am I reflecting that same attitude? Um, Mm. And so much of life is is lived uh, to better myself. Mm. Um, You know when I. Was growing up and wanted to go to be a pastor and go off to seminary. You know, wanted to go to Dallas Seminary ever since I was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And um, was that something that was something I really wanted to do, or was it something I sensed the call mm-hmm. of God? Mm-hmm. I mean, what we we—it's so hard not to inject self and self mm-hmm. motives. Um, you know, why did I get married? Why did, why, you know, what, where, now God gives us all things richly to enjoy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But Jesus was so counter cultural mm-hmm. to all yeah. that. Um And, 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 and did live. I, we don't know what those first 30 years of his life was, was like, but mm. for 30 years, he just, there was nothing that we know. And, you know, and yet he was growing in his awareness of who mm-hmm. he was, uh, And he bides his time Mm -hmm. until that baptism, and then the wilderness, and then he begins the public ministry. I don't know, it just, it's convicting... Uh,
1: our like our our first inclination is is to be to have the comfort of um, food and family and mm-hmm. those kinds of things that encourage our hearts and build us up and and Jesus once again it's his upside down kingdom where he's expressing his dependency on the Father his fellowship with the Father his need for the Father he denies him his body of food for forty days I can't like I, we can't mm-hmm. imagine that. That, mm-hmm. it's, that's huge and just weakness. Um, but it's just, it's showing his sacrificial way of living mm-hmm. that is um, wholly purposed for the glory of God.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to run across um, people like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, but um, anyway, that's too convicting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. If you want to find division, you'll find it, and the devil's jealous for us. So we ought to be, we ought to be jealous for God and yeah. finding ways to unite as a body. So, Mark, Alicia, thank you so much for being here. As a reminder to our viewers and listeners, we got uh, stuff going on at Fellowship pretty much all the time. At least it certainly feels like it. So go to fbcva.org. You can find the calendar, list of events, all that good stuff. We hope to see you here uh, on the weekend. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.